If you've got your Bibles with you, you may would like to turn to Nehemiah and chapter 3. We continue our very short series through this uh, amazing book. And uh, we'll finish this one, part one today. And uh, next year we'll pick up a little bit further in the Nehemiah story from uh, where we leave off today. So Nehemiah chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole chapter Although it bears reading, I hope that uh, you'll find some time, if you haven't already read it, uh, you'll find some time later today to have a read of it. But uh, let's just pick up a few verses. We'll start with verses 1 to 5, and then we'll switch to verses 28 to 32. So we'll do the beginning and the end, and then I uh, urge you to read the middle section as well at some time, if you haven't already done so. Nehemiah chapter 3, and starting at verse 1. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananael. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachariah, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hashanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulun, son of Berechiah, the sons of Meshebel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. You know now why I'm not reading it all, don't you? And should have asked somebody else to read it, would have been better. Verse 28, above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Imma, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shekaniah, the guard of the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanon, the sixth son of Zalapah, repaired another section. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, Malkidah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants, opposite the inspection date, and as far as the room above the corner, and between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. Full circle. From the sheep gate, back to the sheep gate. A pretty smooth operation, wasn't it? And uh, project managed very, very well by Nehemiah. He didn't, he didn't lay a brick, according to chapter 3. He just walks around the, the edges, you know, just making sure everybody else did their job. There is a mention of Nehemiah in the chapter. You, you'll find that, but it's, it's not the Nehemiah of, of the headline story at all. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've uh, taken a quick look through Nehemiah chapter 1 and Nehemiah chapter 2. Uh, we've seen Nehemiah on his knees praying earnestly for what God wanted him to do. We've seen him uh, standing in front of the king, uh, giving God's perspective on next steps. I'm going to go and build, uh, help rebuild the walls. That sort of prophetic insight uh, that came out of his praying that this was the next thing God wanted him to do. So that, that prophetic edge that said, I know now what God is saying and I'm going to say it to you, king, and uh, let's see what happens. And we heard about the king then being in support of everything that was going on and helping Nehemiah on his way, giving him uh, letters of introduction to those on the way as well to keep him in safe passage. At the end of chapter 2, Nehemiah is sitting on a horse. He's wandering around, surveying the scene, wondering what is the first step in this project. 
here's the rubble. And what's going to become of the rubble? And uh, we've thought about, you know, how can rubble turn into revival? How can the things that are broken in our own society, how can they be turned into something that is, that is God-centered, that is, is full of God's presence and his power at work? And I guess it takes something similar to chapter 2 and verse 20, the end of chapter 2, when we read, the God of heaven will give us success. This is Nehemiah's words. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. And that's the key, isn't it? It's the key to seeing revival happen is when we're confident that God will give us success and when we get involved in the rebuilding. It takes a sort of double act like that, doesn't it? Trust in a God who has the big picture and our willingness to get involved, to get, in, get involved on the ground, to see God's kingdom be built one brick at a time. What sort of people does it take to turn rubble into revival? What sort of people is God looking for to make that happen in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families, in our church, in our nation and across our world? What sort of people is God looking for to turn rubble into revival? Do have a, have a Google search about uh, all of this that happened. And if you, if you do that, you'll see uh, that the whole uh, plan of Nehemiah 3 goes anti-clockwise from the Sheep Gate, which is up here in the northeast corner. And the whole uh, plan of the chapter takes us all around anti-clockwise, all around the walls of Jerusalem. We meet priests and we meet Levites. We meet goldsmiths and perfume makers Merchants, rulers, security guards, temple servants, sons and daughters. If I might say so, a ragtag bunch of people, don't you think? And just look around here this morning. What do you see? A ragtag bunch of people. Thank you very much, Irene. I didn't say that. Irene said it. So blame her if you're offended by that. All sorts of different people are needed to see God's kingdom rebuilt to see the fruition of what God has planned. All sorts of people with all sorts of skills in all sorts of places, putting down perhaps the things that they're comfortable with and deciding to do a bit of DIY. My DIY skills, as I've probably told you many times, are non-existent, absolutely appalling. I I can't even paint a wall. Everything goes on me or it goes on the floor. I can't even do that. But there are some of you who are excellent DIYers, aren't you? You've got the skills And you can teach other people. And it's the same in our journey of faith, isn't it? There are some of you who have been on this journey of faith for a very long time looking at you this morning. You look as if you've been going a long time. And you've got the skills to tell others what it takes to be someone who consistently, faithfully rebuilds the kingdom of God. You're the sort of person that God has used powerfully in the past and isn't finished with you yet. But if you read through the chapter of of Nehemiah chapter 3, you'll see people who had doubts about whether these walls could possibly be built. There were people who were angry that the walls were being rebuilt. There were some who were opposed to the whole project all along the way, and they stood in the way of the successful rebuilding of the walls. They didn't like the idea of walls. They were happy with the rubble. They didn't want to see a brick put on top of another brick to see God's kingdom begin to come. 
Some wanted everything just to stay, stay the same as it had been for many, many years. The last thing they wanted was people who were excited about rebuilding, about putting back what had been damaged or lost or, or, or destroyed. But there were a bunch of people who longed to see revival, a group of people who longed to see what God had in store next and were willing and able and open to do what it took to make that happen. Of course there were people who were unsure about the change that was happening. Sometimes we just get used to the environment we're living in. Sometimes in our families, in our workplaces, wherever we are, we just get used to it being the same. We almost step back from being the people of God who can believe in a God who's big enough to grant us success if we're willing to be part of that process. But if we understand God's purposes, if we understand God's, God's hopes and dreams for what is to come, then we can be part of his plans, no matter who we are, no matter what our story is, no matter whether we feel skilled or unskilled. God wants to use his people today to build his kingdom again, to repair the walls that are broken in our society. I think God wants people who have a heart to restore and renew and rebuild. Now, if you've ever looked into the history of the city of Jerusalem, it, it has an intriguing history through, through Scripture as well. Joshua chapter 10 tells us that Jerusalem is inhabited by the Jebusites, and then Joshua came in and he killed the king of the city, but he, he didn't clear the people out at that particular time. And then in Judges 1.8, you'll see that the tribe of Judah put the city of Jerusalem to the sword and set it on fire. And then David, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, you'll see David marched into this city and conquered it. And he reigned over Israel and Judah from that particular base. It became the sort of throne room for King David in that time. He built up that city. He, 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 he enlarged the walls around the city at that particular time. And then after Solomon had built the temple in the city, he had to enlarge the walls again to encompass where the temple was. So these walls had been reinforced and repaired many, many times before. And then during the reign of Hezekiah, around 700 BC, after God had allowed most of Judah to be conquered but protected Jerusalem, Hezekiah built new defenses against the Assyrian Empire who were just on the doorstep. He fortified the existing walls of the city. He built new walls in a very rapid manner in order to protect all those and to enlarge those walls to protect those who lived outside it. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 5, you'll see, Then he worked hard, repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the terraces of the city of David. And Hezekiah's new wall, they say, measured about 22 feet wide, 7 meters 25 foot high, 8 meters, 2.5 miles around, 4 kilometers. An amazing structure that stood for some years. And then when the Babylonians entered into Jerusalem, they exiled most of the population in 586 BC, and it was they who destroyed the walls. It was they who burnt the gates to have Jerusalem finished off. Until Nehemiah until Nehemiah 444 BC heard the story. 
the rubble had been around for a long time. It had been around for a long time and no one had done anything about it. But Nehemiah was the one God's hand was on. The one who God decided was going to be the person called to the next stage of his plan. What sort of people is God looking for to turn rubble into revival? Well, it's people like us who respond to what we see and respond to God's call upon our lives as well. Walls that look strong were lying in ruin. People who'd been faithful had now turned away. But God was, had a bigger story to tell and he looked for the right people at the right time in order to fulfill it. As Nehemiah looked round that city, it wasn't only the walls that he saw had been broken down. In our text, we see that it's the gates as well. The gates needed repairing. The gates had to be repaired because they were fundamental to any structure of walls. Walls without gates are, are just keeping people in. Whereas gates being built give us an opportunity to welcome to bring people in, to help others to become part of God's kingdom as well. When we see rubble, God is looking for people who will see revival. And when gates start appearing, then revival can begin to happen. Gates, the sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate, the valley gate, the dung gate, the fountain gate, the water gate... Horse gate, east gate, inspection gate, all these gates embedded into these walls that are saying there's a way to come in and there's a way to go out. Walls that just keep people in have no use in the kingdom of God. But gates that open, that welcome, that encourage, they're the sort of building that I think God longs for. I'm encouraged in... The Bible that Jesus isn't known as the wall, <laughs> thankfully, he's known as the gate, isn't he? He said, I'm the gate and I'm the one who can help people come in. I'm the one who protects from the enemy, from the thieves. I'm the one who, who stands in the way. And so when we open up the gates, when we build gates into our community, when we build gates that encourage people to come in, then I think, we begin to see that revival begin to happen as people are drawn into the kingdom of God. And I think God's looking for people who will act as gateways. Gateways that share the good news, that welcome, that encourage, that build, that say there's a place for you in this city, in this congregation, in this church, where you are welcome and you can find your home here. I think to go from rubble to revival, we have to. We have to open up the gates. And as the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 24, when we open up the gates, we let the king of glory in. We let him in to central place in our lives.
Do you know, as we read through this chapter, there are 38 people mentioned. There are 42 groups mentioned. But the one phrase that I think stands out in there is this phrase next to them. You'll see that all the way through. This person and next to them was that person. And next to them was that group. And next to them was the other group. Walls couldn't be built. Gates couldn't be opened again unless people stood next to each other. There were some who built closest to them. There were some who built opposite their own house. There are those who have influence in different communities, in different places. And I think God calls us to stand together and to stay strong together as well. Those are the sort of people God uses to see rubble turned into revival. And I think God's looking for people who will serve him and who will see it through as well. You know, Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. God's looking for people who will work for him. Who wherever they are, they will know his presence and his power at work, whether in the workplace or in the university or in the leisure activities. God is looking for people who whatever they do, will put their hand to it and will work hard to his purposes. You know, in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 5, it says that there were people who didn't put their shoulders to the work. They wouldn't do it. And yet in verse 20, we read of Baruch, who zealously, who zealously repaired another section. What sort of people is God looking for? He's looking for people who will zealously, zealously repair what is broken. Yeah, we need to acknowledge what is wrong, what is broken. We need to see the rubble that is lying around us. But God's plans and God's purpose is see that we are, when we are with him and with one another, then walls can be built and gates can be opened. It's our chance, it's our opportunity to see the rubble around us that we bemoan and we despair about, to see that turn into revival and God's kingdom, God's kingdom be built. A kingdom that cannot fail. A kingdom that we get to be part of as well. Nehemiah 6.15, it tells us the wall and the gates were completed in 52 days. From rubble to revival in 52 days. Because people stood together, and they served God's purposes and his plans. I pray that that will be our story as well, as his purposes are fulfilled, and we are the sort of people that he wants to use to see the fulfillment of them. Let's join in the task, shall we? And let's see it completed.